Mac Power Users, episode 322, Clean It Up with Hazel. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. We're having some, some June gloom here a little early in California. Oh, okay. It's well, we need cloudy. we need the rain here, so I'm I'm happy for you to send it our way. Don't don't get me started on water. Just don't get me started. So we are revisiting one of our favorite topics this week on Mac Power Users. And when I went back in the show archives, although we we frequently reference this uh, Hazel, we have not actually had a show on Hazel since episode twenty five. So almost three hundred <laughs> episodes ago. Wow. We're due. We're due now. <laughs> And we have some reasons to want to talk about Hazel. The first is that they just released Hazel version 4.0, which is a new update. It's got some really great new features we want to cover. And the second reason is that some guy just released this insanely long video anthology on Hazel. I think it's longer than the original Star Wars movie. It is longer than the original Star Wars movie. And you know what's funny is I thought about that as well. So I'm glad that you're on the same page with me. I so mean, yeah, I did. I did a Max Barkey field guide on Hazel. It's it's a Hazel video field guide. It's all video. It's not a book. It's a, a video. And I, what I did when I started it is I said, let me make a list of all the cool things you can do with Hazel. And I want to walk through and show somebody pretending you've never seen Hazel before. And, you know, from the beginning to the ending, it gets quite advanced, but you, you get there. And I'll just see how long it takes. And it ends up, it takes two and a half hours to get through all of those, those workflows. You know, I'm so glad you did this because just like OmniFocus, which I know is the topic of another one of your field guides, Hazel is a great topic for a video field guide. Number one, it's something that you really have to visually, we'll talk about it at length. We'll talk about it for an hour and a half, I'm sure, on this podcast. But it's really something that visually you have to almost see to get sometimes. Uh, We'll talk about it conceptually, but seeing it is huge. And I think it's it's one of the tools that can be so useful. And sometimes just seeing it and being able to walk through it, you, you will get so much bang for your buck learning how to use this. And we get so many emails from listeners saying, I hear you talk about Hazel. I want to learn how to use Hazel. I've got this idea. Is Hazel the answer? Usually the uh, answer to that is yes, but they just don't know how to get started with it. Yeah, we had a, um, a listener just like last week wrote in and he was doing, I think it was related to litigation or it was some something remotely related to claims or something. And someone sent him 11,000 emails as single files, not organized, and he needed to get them in chronological order. And he, you know, we I talked to him on the email and he got a Hazel rule installed and he was able to organize 11,000 pieces of paper uh, by date. Uh, using Hazel. And that's the kind of thing people we hear from all the time. They, they they write in with some little problem and we can send them a Hazel rule where they can solve the problem. And and it just gets better with version four. Yeah. Um, I, I want to be careful what you said there. We can send them a Hazel rule. We, we don't do custom Hazel rules for people. No, maybe, well, I, maybe you do. I've, I've helped people. We can I mean, help. Yeah. I can't promise everybody I'll help you, but I mean, I can at least point you in the right direction. Now I can just tell you to go buy my video field guide and do it yourself, I guess. There, there you, you go. How's and that? I tell you where I send people more often than not is the uh, NoodleSoft forums. NoodleSoft being the uh, developers and creators of Hazel. Yeah. Uh, great forums, great community of people who are very into Hazel um, and will just noodle all day long on your stuff. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit, though. I mean, so why is why is it that all us nerds go crazy over Hazel? And um, 
to me, it, co- it comes down to the idea of automation on your Mac. It's always been kind of the big dream that computers will solve our problems for us. Did you ever see um, that movie, Her, that came out a year or two ago? I don't think so, no. Uh, it's about a guy, he falls in love with his operating system. And um, it, it, it's, Is it's this actually- autobiographical? Uh, no, no, it's not. Although I do love iOS lately, uh, but either way, he, it's set in the future and he's got a little earpiece that, you know, sometime in the future, your operating system or your device isn't going to be your watch or your phone. It's going to be a little thing you stick in your ear that talks to you. So everybody's walking around all day with this little thing in their ear that talks to them. And at one point, the reason I'm telling the story is at one point in the movie, um, the the lady in his ear says, oh yeah, I went through all your mail, sorted it, and I responded to the stuff that needed responding, and I, I flagged, you know, five for you to read and respond to that I wasn't sure what you wanted to do with. I mean, Oh, yes, she, please. Yeah, I, I remember, it was just like a passing line in the movie, and I just, like, my jaw dropped. I'm like, yes, I want that so badly, you know. Um, right up and, until the point in time that little lady in your ear takes out a knife and stabs you through your brain. That's a different movie. That's Ex Machina. <laughs> but yeah. But either way, um, so in her, the, the idea was the computer could automate and take care of things for you. And and I've always wanted that now. I want that now on all of my computers. And uh, on the Mac, Hazel goes a very long way towards delivering some of that automation for you. And um, so I've always wanted this. The, the first way I was trying to do it was AppleScript. I, I read many books in AppleScript. I took Sal Segoyen's class. I feel like I'm a pretty competent AppleScript um, programmer at this point. All of that being said, I don't really like programming in AppleScript. It's a weird language where the syntax changes depending on how the app implements it. And um, you do actually need to read books and study seminars and do things to, to get started in it. And most people listening to the show don't have time or patience to do that. And the sad thing was, even after I did all those things, there were still a whole bunch of things I still couldn't do because AppleScript's own limitations. And then, you know, you step back. Another way you can try and automate things in your Mac is with Automator, which is closer for normal people. I mean, you don't need to learn a programming language, but it has a lot of built-in limitations. And I first discovered Hazel, I don't know, it was definitely before the Mac Power users existed, but not probably long before. And Hazel, to me, really brings um, brings automation to the masses. It, it turns mere mortals into automation gods. I mean, you don't know, need to know how to program to, ter- to teach your Mac to do things for you with Hazel. And there is a little bit of a learning curve, but once you learn it, it's, it's very expansive. Like the, the, the point I make, like one of the workflows I do in the screencast, I say, okay, now that you've done this, one of them is for instance, when you arrive home, it starts playing your favorite jazz playlist. Now, not every person that's going to watch that is going to want to run that playlist, but they're going to know the fundamentals of how that worked and be able to transition it to maybe turn on the lights in their house or do something else. And, um, uh, so Hazel really has the the strength to do all that stuff that I wanted to do with AppleScript and never was able to. And that's the reason why I'm so devoted to it. And I think so many of our listeners who who get it find themselves just as devoted to this app. And then you start learning about ways that you can expand it, because I'm guessing if you're using Hazel based on location, you're you're maybe adding a little iOS stuff in there. You're maybe invoking yeah. a little if this, then that and a little Dropbox and. Um, yeah, it's great. All, it's great. all the other kinds of ways to expand it. And and Hazel, I, it's not a, a language like AppleScript. It's really just logic. It's a it's a series of uh, if this happens, then do this type of scenarios. You know, if this criteria is met, then do this. And there's a whole bunch of if criteria and a whole bunch of then criteria that you can choose from. 
Yeah, the the vernacular I used for the the screencast was triggers and actions. There's a trigger. Something is going to trigger it. And when it's triggered, what's going to happen? So before we get into the nitty gritty, though, let's just talk a little bit about the basics. You can find Hazel at noodlesoft.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's a it's a single developer app. You know, Paul Kim is the guy behind it. And um, I've never met him in person, but I owe him many beers or tea or whatever his beverage of choice is whenever I do meet him. In fact, I may be meeting him at the release notes. I'm trying to talk him into going. Um, And it's it's an example of an app that I love because when it's got a single developer, you've got the same guy who's answering the question emails, who's writing the code. And so it's very close to the users. And like this 4.0 update has a lot of the stuff that we've all been asking him for. Uh, right you know baked in so it's great it's not overly expensive it's 32 dollars to buy the app uh, you can get a family pack of five for 49 dollars and if you already own it you can get the upgrade for 10 dollars so that you know, was an it, insta buy for me I, I bought hazel years ago and i've just been updating it you know pretty regularly every time another one comes out which is not super often but it's often enough well worth the upgrade well and, and you know honestly because we talk about it on the show i know that we've sold a lot of copies for paul over the years I'm sure he'd send us license we want, but I want to pay him. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like this is, I'm using it so much. I want this guy to take my money. Uh, there's a 14 day free trial. So after you listen to the show, if you want to kick the tires, you can try it. Um, and then there's my field guide, which I think is a nice uh, little thing to go with it. If you're going to do the upgrade or if you're just getting it, you want to get into it. So field gra- yeah, I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the the field guide. Why, what, what made you choose Hazel as your, as your next one? Is it just because something about this new upgrade uh, to update to Hazel prompted you or has Hazel been on your radar for a while? No, I started outlining this six months ago. I mean, there is so much more time involved in these things than you would imagine. But either way, I started making my list. I have 35 chapters, I guess. The The video is, is bookmarked so you can advance it, you know, if you want to go back and watch a section over again. So I have basically 35 subjects I wanted to cover. Um, and so I started working on it. Then um, I got in on the beta after the thing was in production. And then I added a whole bunch of new content based on some of the 4.0 features. And it's two hours and 25 minutes. So it's almost two and a half hours. And uh, and that wasn't like some goal. I just decided I'm going to cover everything I need to cover when I'm done. That's how long it'll be. And it turns out that's two hours and 25 minutes. Cool. You can find it at maxsparky.com slash hazel. Uh, the price is nineteen ninety nine. I've I've raised the price ten bucks now, so it's to uh, twenty dollars for a field guide. And um, I actually looked at a bunch of different pricing models. I was thinking about doing like subscriptions and all this other stuff. And I, I just want to make something cool. And if you want to buy it, you can get it. If not, you don't have to. And I didn't want to, you know, the listeners to have to have subscription obligations and all that other stuff that comes with that. So I just said, okay, it's twenty bucks, and I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's awesome. I've I've had a sneak peek at it. You were kind enough to send me a, a, a I don't know, a beta copy, an early a release candidate copy. I think is is what you called it. And yeah. I, I will admit that I haven't gotten through the entire anthology. You mean uh, you haven't just dropped everything to watch two and a half hours of Hazel with me? I, I have. I have on? not. But I I will <laughs> say it is in true Max Sparky style. You know, with the little uh, geeky intro music and um, what, 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 wait, wait, geeky music? What are you talking about? It's, I got bagpipes, baby. I know bagpipes. that's pretty geeky. I think. Um, that's I think that's the new official music of the Max Sparky Video Field Guides is bagpipes. And that's I've good because it will not be the official music of Mac Power users. Yeah, um, I knew that. <laughs> uh, and I love all your little in jokes. 
Yeah, they're they're in there. You got to keep an eye out for them. I won't. I won't spoil them. But um, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a great field guide. Um, I'm glad that you, glad that you're doing these, and um, I, I know that they're a ton of work, but you can definitely tell they're fun though. I, honestly, this is. I mean, I've worked really hard on things in my life, and these I have no problem working hard on because I'm so happy with them and proud of them. So anyway, whatever. <laughs> Well, I know it's a little early, but we've got a lot to talk about with Hazel. So why don't we take a quick break here and then talk all about getting started with Hazel. I want to take a moment and talk about our next sponsor, and that is Fracture. Fracture is a photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They take your photos and they print them directly onto glass and add a laser cut rigid backing. So they're there, they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include a wall anchor and screw. So all you need to do is screw it into the wall and you're done. Or you can post it up like a tripod. It's beautiful. You just upload your digital photo at fracture.me. Pick your size. Boom. They'll print it. They'll ship it. You're done. I love fractures. I have them all over my office. I have several at my home. And I have some of the big ones, the big square fractures in my office. I've got them of my Grand Canyon trip and my Alaska trip. These are the highlight of my office. When people come, they make great talking points. And they're just amazing. It's like you can reach out and touch the photos because the fracture process makes the color and contrast of your photo really pop. And the sleek, frameless design lets your photos stand out while matching any decorating style. You can bring a special memory to life. Or give it as a unique gift to decorate your home or your office with moments that tell your story. Like, this is the year of weddings for me. I have got three family weddings this summer. I've got bridal showers, bachelorette parties, all of those things. And you know what? Fracture is a big help for that because they make amazing gifts for people. You can either take one of their favorite photos and have them put on Fracture or give them a gift certificate. Fracture comes with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so your loved ones are sure to love their order. Each fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials at their carbon neutral factory. You can learn more about how Fracture brings your photos to life at FractureMe.com, but please make sure that you mention that you heard about them on Mac Power users in their one-question survey at checkout, and it really helps support the show. I love my fractures. I'm sure you will too. They are an amazingly unique gift for anyone who loves digital photography or images. And really, who doesn't like getting a photo of themselves or their families from Fracture? And I'm sure you've got images that are just sitting in your digital camera or on your iPhone, rotting away. Wouldn't you really like to have those images put up on your wall? And with Fracture, you don't have to worry about getting a frame or getting a mat. Just have them fractured and they'll look great right out of the box and you can put them anywhere. So again, head over to fracture.me. Pick your photo, pick your size, and then when you go to check out, make sure you tell them you heard about them on Mac Power Users, and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks to Fracture for their kind support of the show. All right, David, let's talk a little bit conceptually about Hazel for people who might not be familiar with it. First off, it is a system preference pane. I guess we should say, since you're so iOS-centric now, it is Mac only. Yeah. Uh, it, it is and it isn't. Oh, let's just say that. Well, I'm sure you'll talk about ways that it can be used with iOS. But it is a system preference pane that that fits in your Mac. Um, and then you can open it up. And the app itself um, works based on a series you called them triggers and actions. And and what it does at its core, and there are a couple of different things that Hazel does, but it, it watches folders. So you set a series of folders that you want to watch. You can start with one and then you can add as many as you want. And then you create a series of rules. And so... For example, if you've got your downloads folder as a folder that you want to watch, 
you then can create a series of rules that you want Hazel to enact on those folders. And then each rule then, as you pointed out, has a series of triggers and actions. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it's a two-pane layout, classic kind of two-pane layout. On the left side is the folders that you're watching, and on the right side is a list of rules you've created. And that's that's really Hazel. I mean, it, it, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, we're going to talk about a couple of the additional features later in the screencast, but, you know, 90% podcast. of the... We're doing a podcast here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been in screencast mode for a month. <laughs> but the... um. The uh, we're going to talk more later in the podcast about um, some of the other features, but really 90% of what you do with this application is you have it watch folders and perform rules for you. And, and that's the trick. Once you kind of learn how to structure those rules and what you can do with them, um, the options really open wide for you. So let's talk about a couple of, of basic ones. You can have Hazel act on documents. So for example, if I've got, you know, I gave the example of one of the folders that I have Hazel monitor is my downloads folder. And so the downloads folder is kind of a big catch-all for me and a lot of people, you know. If I download a PDF or something from the internet, it's going to go into the downloads folder. And a lot of times that's named based on gibberish. And one of the many of the Hazel rules that I have set up for the downloads folder is to rename the con those files in the downloads folder as opposed to just some name that, you know, whoever I downloaded it from gave it to some name that makes sense for me. So I use Hazel to rename a lot of documents and um, you can rename them based on criteria in the document. You can rename them based on content in the document because Hazel actually has the ability to look inside many types of documents. Yeah. And that's at the trigger level. So when we talk about triggers and actions, what can be a trigger in Hazel? Uh, quite a few things can. Um it can look at the name of the file or the extension. It can look at the kind, like you say, if the kind is a PDF or an image or a movie, it may do something. Um, it also looks at all sorts of date metadata attached to your file. Not just the date it was created, but maybe the last date it was modified or opened or the last date it was added, uh, which is a really interesting uh, trigger criteria. Um, it can also look at tags. So if you have tagging invoked on your system, you can use tagging as a trigger. Um, it even looks at the source URL. So like if you um, download a, a, a statement from your bank and it's got your bank's name attached to the URL that for the download document, that can be enough for Hazel to work with. So uh, for document management, you know, you want to have looking at some kind of trigger and then it can start doing something with that. I mean, one of the most basic, and I cover this in the, in the screencast, and I, now every time I say it, I'm going to stop and think, is it screencast or podcast? So yeah. thanks for that. Um, but the uh, one of the things that you can say is, what is the name of the file? Like if you get a bank statement from Bank of America and it always says Bank of America credit card statement, if that's the name every time, although I'm sure it doesn't, but let's say it does, then Hazel could look at that and it could do something based on that, you know, and that that's the action, you know, following the trigger was the action. One of the actions like Katie was just talking about is I could rename the file, you know, like if bank of America's credit card statements always say B C A C R, uh, and then some indecipherable digit on it, you could have Hazel say, well, if the name contains B C A C R. So we know that's going to be in every credit card statement. Then we've got a pretty good idea. This is going to be a credit card statement from bank of America. So then we could rename it 
Bank of America credit card statement and then insert the current date. I mean, that's an action you're performing on the trigger. Well, and just as a tip for people, one of the things that I've started using uh, as things to look for is partial account numbers. Exactly. Um, Because I, you know, bank with the same bank that I have a credit card with. And so how does it know if this is my bank statement or my credit card statement? I just use the last couple of digits of the account number. And that's one way that Hazel can differentiate. Is this my bank statement or is this my credit card statement? And now you switch subtly. So we were talking about names as triggers. Now you're talking about contents because Hazel can also look inside the document. And if it's OCR'd or if it's something you download from the web and there's text in it, Hazel can read that for you. So Katie's saying, uh, well, I'm going to use as a trigger uh, the last seven digits of my account number because those are always going to be the same on my credit card statement. And and that's a content-based trigger. So Hazel will look inside the file. And if it's got the words Bank of America plus these magic five digits, I've got a pretty good idea. This is my bank card statement. And or, I'm also, go ahead. Or you could even add to it. You could say, does it have the word statement in it? Because it's going to have the word statement in every credit card statement. So then you have three criteria, the name of the bank, the word statement, plus the number. And if you have all three of those things, you've got a pretty good idea that Hazel's found the right document and you can do something with it. And I'm also going to throw in another type of trigger that's related to this is you can do a trigger based on type of file. And so if you're going to look inside the file to say, does it have these magic numbers for my account statement? Well, you know, the file's got to be OCR'd and able for that to happen. Yeah. And many of the files that you download from the web are. But if they're not, I've also got a trigger that will will have Hazel look at a PDF and say, if this is a PDF and it's not OCR'd, go ahead and open up PDF pen and OCR'd. Yeah, exactly. So, so you start putting all these things together and then Hazel gets really smart for you. Um, and by the way, one of the nice features in the new version 4.0 is the ability to verify or preview a rule. So let's say we were just making this on our desktop for the first time and we wanted to make sure that, you know, we've got a sample document, we've got the credit card statement right on the desktop that we downloaded. And we created these four criteria that Hazel has to follow before it knows that this is the right document. You can actually say, okay, now look at this document on my desktop and test it against these rules and see if that would work. And it'll show you which one, um, it will show you which one, uh, it, it'll either show you they all worked or it'll show you one of them didn't work. Like maybe the credit card number didn't come through because it couldn't read the OCR and maybe make it, you know, four digits unless instead of seven and now it can work. So you can really test the rule now as you create it. That's a nice feature in 4.0. Have you tried that yet? I have. I love it because I would spend quite a bit of time sometimes tweaking rules to figure out where exactly is this rule breaking? Why is it not quite working for me? Yeah. And, and I'd have to sit and wait and say, did it trigger? Did it trigger? No. Okay. You don't know. Yeah. Because sometimes it takes, you know, 10 or 20 seconds for it to figure out you've got a new rule. In fact, I talked to the developer, Paul, and he says, well, I, I, the first time you run a new rule, I usually give it a little bit of delay because you may decide you, you, at the last minute, you don't want to run that rule right now. And if, if you're sorting 11,000 emails and you run the wrong rule, you may make your, your trouble much worse, you right. know? So it gives you a little bit of a delay the first time, but now you can test all this stuff in, as you're building the rule, which is super useful. So anyway, the, so that's a trigger for document management, but, but I want to back up. We kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit at the most basic level. You can do what I call name-based filing. And uh, a good example for me is my disability statement, which is just the opposite of clear. I mean, it's just like a jumble of numbers and letters every time it comes down from the uh, from when I download it, you know, and 
the URL scheme doesn't work because of the way they create the document. There's just a bunch of reasons why this particular statement never lends itself to easy automation. So I have a simple name-based rule. And if I type the word disability statement just with no space and I give the file that name, then Hazel's always looking in that one folder to say, did he put a file in there called disability statement with no space? It's asking itself that like every, you know, you know, five times a second or whatever many times it does. As soon as I do it, it springs to life. It says that that's all I need for the trigger. Name contains disability statement. Okay. If that's the case, then take the date that it was scanned and insert that at the beginning of the name and then write the word disability space statement, you know, write it properly. Then um, tag it, give it the tag for insurance because I have a tag for insurance. That's how I roll. And then move the file to, to his storage, his record storage, where he keeps disability statements. So even though I've got this file that doesn't want to behave and doesn't want to follow automation rules, I just have to manually name it disability statement. And then all four of those things happen faster than I, basically as fast as I hit the return key. And that's the way I file my disability statement every month. And it's super easy. And that's, that's the most basic level rule you can do in Hazel. It's not that hard. If you, if you watch the video, you'll figure it out. You can probably figure it out on your own anyway. All right. Well, you've got some notes in here about using Hazel and the iPhone. Yeah. Well, How, let me just, are uh, we, am I, am I running out of time? I probably, no, you can, keep going. can I just get a couple more things? And yeah, you're so, you're so excited. I know, I know, but this really changes people's lives. I mean, we hear from people all the time that get Hazel and, and they find religion, you know, they're like, how come I didn't do this sooner? Um, I did, I talked about name-based filing in the screencast. I also cover content-based, how to do it, where it goes in and pulls the name out. Like Katie was talking about. Um, there's an additional feature you can do in it now that Hazel will go into the document and find the date. So I don't have to use the date it was scanned. I can actually oh, pull yes. the that's huge. Phys- that came out in version 3.0. Yeah. And there's no way I can explain that on this on the uh, podcast. I mean, you got to watch it cause it's actually kind of complicated, but once you see it once, you'll know how to do it. Uh, one of the new features now it does, it used to only take the first instance of the date. And that was a big problem for some people. Cause like the date at the top, isn't the date at the bottom and they wanted the date at the bottom and the file name. Um, now you can have it choose which instance you want. So they fix that problem. Okay. You, you just, you ran by that way too fast that no one's going to have any clue what you're talking about. So, yeah. Okay. So, let me, let me so slow let's, down. let's slow down and try that again. Deep breath. Deep breath. So okay. let, let's talk first about the problem that has to be solved. So one of the things that many of us use Hazel for is to file certain types of statements or letters. Basically, if you think about it, most types of documents that we have have dates and the dates are important. And so the developer of Hazel realized that we got to figure out a way to find out what the dates are in these documents, whether it's a receipt with a date or whether it's a letter with a date or a statement with a date. And so lots of us have things that we do with files that have dates on it. And wouldn't it be great if there was a way that Hazel could read the date on a file and then take action on it? Because if you get a, uh, let's just say, if you get your mortgage statement in the mail, let's say it comes in the mail, it doesn't get downloaded, and you scan it in... The date that it's in the mail may not necessarily be the date that you scan it. Maybe you don't scan it until a month later. So if you're scanning this file or this letter or whatever it is into your document management system, you're going to want Hazel to know, well, what was the date that that document was actually generated? Maybe not necessarily the date that you scanned that document in or the date that your computer knows about that document. So is there a way for Hazel to read dates out of documents and then take action based on those dates. Yes. It's called pattern matching. So you tell Hazel, 
Slow uh, down. When you're, <laughs> when you're looking at the contents of this document, look for a pattern like January 1, 2016 or month, day, year with a comma between. You can you just set the pattern. And then Hazel, when it's scanning the document, is looking for a pattern of text or words or numbers that matches that. And it's going to know that's a date. And when it sees it, it will yank that out and essentially turn it into kind of a, a, a place card or a, a variable that it holds. So you can say when when on the trigger part of the rule, look for that pattern. And if you find it, save it. And then when you get to the action part, you say, OK, now take that date you found and stick it in the name. You know, make that the first thing part of the name. And it'll even convert it. Like if it if the if the date is written and the document is January 1, 2016, when Hazel puts in the name, it'll put it in properly. 2016-01-01 with dashes, by the way, just like I think it should be. Although you could change it if you wanted to be crazy like Katie. Um, so you can do that. It can go yank a date out of a document and use that data later. But the, the problem that people had before was, what if there's two dates in the document? It's only going to pull the first one and you want to pull the second one. Now it can pull the second one. And I can't really describe exactly how to do all this stuff, but it's in the video. So if you watch it, you know, you'll figure it out. Um, but the, but the point that that functionality is available is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think it's big for Hazel is tags because, you know, Apple officially has tags now in iOS and Mac. Now yeah, they haven't, well, yeah. they haven't done a great job of, of really making a big deal about it. Um, but they put it there for a reason. And at some point I think it's going to be a bigger deal. Um, but, but tagging files is a pain in the neck. Nobody wants to stop and physically put a tag on every file that comes across their desk. But if you've got Hazel filing for you anyway, it's a simple instruction to say, tell Hazel, oh, by the way, add a tag to this for insurance or add a tag for bills or invoices or whatever tag you want. I mean, basically, there's no overhead for you to add tags to your files using Hazel. So anyway, document-based automation is the place most people start with Hazel and the place that most people end. You know, they don't go beyond that because they think, oh, this is great. It's doing this stuff for me. But there's a whole bunch more you can do with Hazel and documents. Well, and and even if you use that. it just for that, that's huge. Oh yeah, it is. No, no kidding. You know, but I feel like, yeah, that's great. But I want the ice cream with the whipped cream with the cherry. I want the whole thing. I don't just want the ice cream. It's very important. Yeah. All right. So tell me how you're using Hazel on the iPhone. Um, well, because Hazel, do, you, do you have access to a super secret iOS app that none of us know about yet? No, I do not. Well, no, I do not. No, I'm not Sorry. interested in <laughs> but um you know getting back to what is hazel hazel is an application that looks at folders and identifies files and uses triggers to perform actions well because the cloud is such a big deal now hazel doesn't care whether the folder it's looking at is on the root directory of your mac or on dropbox or icloud or whatever your cloud service of choices so you the the fact is you can manipulate files from your iphone or your ipad and Hazel will see them and do things with them. So you you can fully have the benefit of Hazel without, you know, while you're not sitting at your Mac. I mean, you know, I know we've ever been, you've been teasing me about how I'm turning to an iOS zealot lately. And I'm I am going to call you Federico. No, I'm not. But see, that's the difference. Federico doesn't want to use his Mac. He wants to use the iPad for everything. And to me, I just want to use the tool that gets the job done. Uh, and the thing that's surprising me is how easily the iOS devices can get the job done. Um, but I still need the Mac and I still want to use the Mac. And my iMac, I use probably five hours a day. So I'm not leaving my Mac anytime soon. But when I'm away from my Mac, 
wouldn't it be great if Hazel could be at home doing stuff on my files for me? Uh, a good example is uh, receipts. You know, everybody goes to lunch all the time and they, you know, if you've got a business and you want to save the receipts for an expense report or taxes or whatever, you've got to remember to scan it, bring it home. You know, there's all these things you have to do with it. Uh, when I'm on the go, I use a scanning app that can perform OCR on my receipts. So when I sit down at lunch, I've got my taco receipt. In fact, I used a taco receipt for the video. I thought I, you'd appreciate that. I know that. you did. I know you did. Hey, it's um, Taco Week here in my town next week. I'm very excited. A bunch of restaurants are running all okay. kinds of promotions for. So, what, what kind of taco do you? I've never asked you this question. This is forget everything else. What kind of tacos do you eat? I I like all kinds of tacos. So I like a variety. So I like beef taco. Well, it has to be meat. I like. I do not like well, fish shrimp, shrimp tacos. No, I do not like. I do not like seafood. Period. So I like beef but tacos. Shrimp, shrimp doesn't even count as seafood. Oh, they're bottom feeders. That's like the worst taco. kind of seafood. Oh my gosh. But I, I, when you, I like when beef you to tacos. California, I like shredded take... pork tacos. I like chicken tacos. Um, and I like hard and soft shell tacos. So okay. it's it's going to be like a taco fiesta next week. Well, you know what, Katie? You need to come out. Let's when, when when can you take a break and just come out and hang out at the Sparks house for a couple of days? And I'm going to take I'm, you to Disneyland. I'm going to take you out to tacos. Okay. But tell me about your taco receipt. Well, anyway, so <laughs> I was shooting this and I'd like, you know what? At first I had the first cut of the video. I had said, and you can use it on your phone and stuff. I'm like, you know, a lot of people aren't going to understand how to do that with me just talking about. It. I'm just going to show them. So I got, a, I said, well, I don't, ha I need a receipt to do this. And I went in my pocket and I had a receipt in there for tacos. It was, <laughs> it wasn't planned, but of course you it just was reached in your pocket and there was one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always a receipt for tacos in my pocket. But anyway, um, so I had, um. So let's say you're at the hypothetical taco restaurant and you get your receipt. So you just lay it on the table. You take a, an app out. And there's a bunch of apps that do this. Um, I use ScanBot for this one, but you can also do it with PDF Pin Scan Plus and Scanner Pro. Yeah, I think Scanner is version Pro does seven. They, their version seven is out now. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them, but I, I tried. There's a couple of things I like about Scanner Pro. One of which is that it has a naming template, which works with Hazel. So uh, you take a picture of the receipt. And, and it's saving to Dropbox, you know, so it's just, it's saving the receipt to Dropbox. And, and, and you have case, an action folder in your Dropbox, I know. Exactly. So it's looking at that folder that it's saving to. And, and in this case, I use a name, uh, a name-based filing. So uh, in ScanBot Pro, you can create buttons for certain word combinations. And one of them is Max Sparky expense and one of them is Sparks Law expense. So I scan the receipt, puts the date in says tacos and I push a button that says, you know, Max Sparky expense. And then I just upload and save it. I love that now, you have a button for tacos. Uh, of course, of course. And uh, so anyway, and spicy if, carrots if, too. If not, you'll make one after this. By the way, I have um, mastered homegrown spicy carrots because oh, I grow, grow the, the carrots in my garden. Oh man, I'm making the best spicy carrots. The best. All anyway. right. All right. So you push the taco button and it names it a specific way. Yeah, and it saves it to that shared Dropbox folder. So back at home, my Mac is sitting there quietly, minding its own business. And Hazel is, Hazel's like your frantic aunt. It's always like looking, is it there? Is it there? Is it, and all of a sudden it sees something there that says Max Sparky expense. And it's like, ha ha, we have an expense. So it, it checks, fixes the date of the name, saves a copy to my expense report, and then saves another copy to the shared folder that I have with my accountant so she can see at the end of the month how much money I spent on tacos and, and all that stuff. And she just sighs and goes, oh, David. Yeah. 
She's like, I got to get more clients. This guy's never going to make it. He buys way too many tacos. Yeah. And this is another beauty of having uh, either a Mac home server at home or just some kind of Mac that's always on. I know you've got that Mac mini that you keep running all the time. What are you talking about? I don't have a Mac. Mini. I'm sorry. iMac. I, that iMac yeah. that you've got running. I've got the Mac mini in my closet that you've got yeah. running. Yes, I have but Hazel in my closet running all the there time. There you go. There you go. On and my so, Mac mini. So it's always watching. And, and you can do that with all sorts of rules. I mean, so long as you can put a file on your shared storage, you can have Hazel working for you no matter where you're at. Like when I go on these trips, you know, I go to a conference or whatever. Um, back when I used to go to Macworld, you get all these business cards, right? I have a Hazel rule that looks for business cards and automatically stores them for me, especially the ones that I don't think I'm going to need, but I don't want to trash either. So at the, uh, you know, I sit in the hotel room at some point, scan all those things. It takes a couple of minutes, upload them to Dropbox, their scan file stored on my home computer. And I throw them in the trash and all that stuff is taken care of before I leave the hotel room. That's a great idea. Great, great use of, of cloud services. Uh, and all you, all you got to have is a Mac run at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing is, is, is just Hazel's working in the background the whole time to take care of this stuff for you. It's, it's awesome. But anyway, so for the screencast, what I did is I actually showed you how to use the app and walk through the whole thing. And, um, I think I had a Wahoo's receipt. You guys have Wahoo's out there in Florida? We do, but ours is not a chain. So it may not be what you're thinking of. I got to get you out here. All right. Well, that's my goal for the next year. Get Katie Floyd visit to California. Well, while I am frantically researching flights and tacos availability, let's take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor for this episode. And then we'll come back and talk about file-based automation. This week's episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks. Get 30 days of unrestricted use at freshbooks.com slash MPU. FreshBooks is on a mission. The mission is to help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes with running their businesses. Specifically, FreshBooks handles invoicing. After you've worked hard for a client, why should you have to go through the pain of invoicing? Let FreshBooks take care of this problem for you. FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices simple. It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice with FreshBooks, and you can add your company logo for that extra touch. FreshBooks makes it easy for your clients to pay you. When your clients receive a FreshBooks invoice, they can make payment by card or integrate with services like PayPal. This can seriously improve how quickly you get paid. In fact, FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average. You can see whether or not your client has looked at an invoice, so there's no more excuses or lost invoices. You can also set up automatic late payment reminders, too. And that's just the invoicing piece. FreshBooks has so many other features to help you keep organized. You can easily track your expenses, so there's no more boxes full of receipts. If you're in the U.S., you can automatically import your bank transactions for easy reconciliation. They've recently revamped the mobile app to let you take photos of your receipts, and FreshBooks organizes them for later. FreshBooks can even create expense reports for you that make claiming expenses at tax time a breeze. They have great reports, and you can easily see who owes you what. There are tons of third-party integrations, time tracking to help you send better invoices, and they have amazing support. If you're a FreshBooks customer, you're going to find that when you call, there's no phone tree. You call and someone picks up. I didn't even know that was possible in 2016. So getting started on FreshBooks is extremely simple. You really don't have to be a numbers person. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. No credit card required. Just sign up and give it a shot. To claim your 30 days of unrestricted use, go to freshbooks.com slash MPU. 
If you're still using an old and antiquated billing system, it's time to move into the future and try FreshBooks. And please enter MacPower users in the How You Heard About Us section so FreshBook knows you came from this show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring the MacPower users and Relay FM. Okay, so after document management, the next really uh, gateway drug for, for Hazel is file-based automation. All right, now and, talk about how this is different than document-based automation. Well, document-based automation is an, individ- do- is an individual file. Yeah, and it focuses on documents. I mean, it, it's all about managing all the PDFs and the scans and all the other stuff that comes into your life. And, and that's a whole problem for people. You know, just like we used to have filing cabinets that were disorganized. A lot of people have computers that are disorganized, and Hazel can fix that for you. File-based is all the other stuff that are files on your, on your Mac. Uh, the two biggest culprits of, of this messiness is your downloads folder on your Mac and your desktop, by far. Yeah. Now, I have a question. Did you demo in this, because I haven't gotten all the way through it, in this field guide how you can use Hazel to clean up your desktop folder? And if so, do you plan on showing this to your wife? Yeah, I um, I first of all, I am not going back to my wife's desktop. You know, I, I love her and I want to keep my marriage, so I'm not going to do that. But I do demo how to clean up your desktop. Okay. All right. Yeah. So talk to us about file-based automation and some of the cool things that you can do beyond clean up your desktop. Because I totally think you should set up a Hazel rule on Daisy's computer to do that for her automatically. Yeah, I think I should just make a folder that says ha, 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 ha. And just every time she puts something on her desktop, just move it in there. <laughs> And then I'll put a business card for my favorite divorce attorney. <laughs> I'll have it automatically scan that. There you go. I, you know, it's funny. Our, our marriage has lasted hard times, but the, the two biggest risks, I swear, are the time I cleaned her desktop and the time we tried um, family sharing, family match. Well, you, you got over the family match hump and that seems to be yeah. working out for you now. So yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe it's time to try cleaning up the desktop again. I thought that she woke me up at 2am. I thought the house was burning down. She, she shook me awake and it was just because I cleaned up her desktop anyway. Um, so uh, file-based automation, I, I started with the downloads folder because that's one that is um, if you're using your Mac, the way like if you use Safari, your downloads folder always just gets a ton of cruft in it and there's no reason it really needs to. And the nice thing about the downloads folder is it has different categories of documents going into it all the time because you're downloading different types of media, you know, images, music, PDFs, documents, uh, DMG files, disk images. So you've got this variety of stuff going in there and you can go in and manually delete and save and move stuff to folders. But why on earth should you when you've got something like Hazel? I mean, uh, if you take five to 10 minutes to set up these rules in Hazel, it will take care of that for the rest of your max life. It will just go in and take care of that. So I set up rules showing people how to do things with those different types of media. I mean, going back to some real old school Mac power users, I remember talking about how and this was long before we had an app store for the Mac, but I, I always save copies of disk images for apps that I download. And I've just got this theory that, you know, if I ever need the app and what if the developer shutters its doors and I still want the app or whatever, I just want to copy a disk image and I still do that. I, I save it to my Drobo. So there's a cool rule that I made that looks at the downloads folder and it looks at any disk image that's more than, I think the example I used was three days, I actually used seven days in real life. Um, so if you do- download a disk image and you install an app and after seven days, it's still there, then Hazel's just going to grab the file and move it to this archival storage you have of disk images. 
But Hazel's smart. It, it can look to see if there's already a copy of that disk image in there. And if there is, it's because you did it six months ago with the prior version. And you can tell Hazel, I want you to go in and overwrite the old version. I just want you to keep the newest version of the app. Or you can say, keep every version of it. So you've got, you know, every version of OmniFocus for the last five years. But I, I just usually have it keep the most recent version. But all this stuff is customizable by the user. And you don't need to be a programmer to do this. I guess that's my point is, if you're listening to this and you're an accountant or a teacher or whatever, and you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with programming. You don't have to. This is just checkboxes. Anybody can do this. Um, so that's one of the things I show is how to archive disk images. But there's a whole bunch of other media that you can manage in that I've, downloads folder as well. I've got a real fun one. Well, fun <laughs> for V cards. I download a lot of e-cards. So when I come across professionals or people that I work with, um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll either go to their website. A lot of people have v-cards available for download on their website or our local bar association. You can look up someone and it will give you their information and then also makes a v-card available that you can download. Um, and so anytime I find myself in a position where I need to look somebody up, I figure I'm going to have to do this again. And I always go grab the v-card and download the v-card. And I've got a Hazel, if I'm going to download the vCard, I want to go ahead and save that information to my contacts. So I've got a Hazel rule that if it sees a vCard in my downloads file, it's going to open that document with Busy Contacts, which is my contact app of choice. Yeah. And anytime you open a vCard with Busy Contacts, Busy Contacts prompts you to import it. I believe Contacts does the same thing. And then I have it wait a minute or two, and then I have Hazel delete the vCard file. Because I don't yeah. want that thing sitting in my downloads folder. I've already imported it. That's one of the actions you can take. You can say, just wait a minute. You know, in between doing a couple things, just stop for a second and, you know, let things happen. Yeah, that's a great rule. And and you do that out of your downloads folder? I do it out. Well, because that's where they get downloaded to. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, you can have it organize things out of your downloads folder. You can have it decide what stuff gets trashed and what stuff gets kept. Another way to do it is you can have it tag things um, uh, on the desktop. Th that's a good question on the desktop is when do you decide to delete something from your desktop? You know, 30 I mean, minutes or so. Is, is that all? I mean, you're, no, no, you're not messing around. Uh, oh, actually, I'll tell you what I do. And it's, it's a double tip. What I do is if something has been on my desktop for too long, I move it into unclutter. <laughs> Yeah, um, because I and then I have my unclutter set up uh, and it goes to a Dropbox folder that I have to clean out. Yeah, I mean, because, I get, you know, we, we kind of jumped around a little bit, but on the desktop, you can tell Hazel if something's been on my desktop for a week and I haven't done anything with it, just delete it. You know, yeah. you can say, no, don't. Well, if, if you're comfortable, you can delete it. I'm not comfortable deleting it. Typically, if it's been on my desktop for two days, I'll move it. I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea that any file on my computer may die at any moment. You know, the, just that, that little bit of stress, you know, it makes you, it keeps your desktop nice and clean that way. Yeah. Now, or, or you could say, put it into a file, you know, a review folder or, you know, there's so many things you can do. You can tag it with, go ahead and file it away, but also give it a tag of something, you know, a review tag or something. So you can look at it through the finder and tags. Uh, the point being is there's no reason to keep your desktop full of junk. How do, what, what's your general rule on your desktop? I mean, when do you put files on your desktop? Only if I'm actively working on them. Yeah, it's like a temporary holding space. Exactly. And in a lot of ways, it's not a very good one, especially in this age where a lot of apps go full screen and then you can't get access to the desktop. Because um, I, I do a lot of full screen stuff or I fill my screen with apps. 
I mean, I find that something like Unclutter or Drop Zone or some of these other apps that can be a better temporary holding spot are better for that job. But um, anyway, yeah, that's that's good to know. So you so you can clean up the desktop with Hazel Rolls. It's not that hard. We've also had some people recommend using Hazel as a backup method, and I do this to some extent. I think there are probably better applications for it, but it's certainly something that Hazel can do. And and here's an example of how I use it for this in a in a very light way. Um, you know, David, we do produce this podcast every week. And um, I have this podcast set to download with iTunes. And when you download a podcast with iTunes, it will save into a certain directory. It's in, you know, your your user folder in your music folder and your iTunes folder and your podcast folder and your Mac Power. You, you know, there's a whole directory of, of where it will save the specific podcast. And I have Hazel check that folder regularly. And when a new episode of Mac Power users shows up there, which is basically after iTunes has downloaded it, Hazel's going to grab it rename it, um, and then move it to uh, a, a spot on my Drobo where I, I archive all these shows. Yeah, nice. Nice. Another way to look at it is the inverse of that. What if you have an app that's creating extra data files that you don't want to keep? Um, you know, some some apps like make backup files. and I do it, that as well, yes. They, they grow lots of backup files, and you'll look in there, and there's like a, you know, there's a gigabyte of backup files on an app when you really only need the last two weeks worth of backup files. Uh, you can have Hazel go in there and say, if a file is not created in the last two weeks, delete it. You know, if you go in the backup folder and delete anything that's not less than two weeks old, uh, you just clean up a bunch of space on your hard drive, and that rule is relative to today's date. So in three weeks, the files that are there today will be deleted as well, but by then you'll have new backup files to take their place. And um, it, it just, you know, Hazel, just like the name says, you know, it's there to clean up after you. And none of these rules take a long time to create. Once you understand how the app works, it's even faster to create them. And almost not a day goes by that I don't find some extra little tweak to do to my system with Hazel. And I know that sounds like I'm fiddly, but I guess I am. But the whole thing manage itself as you start to dial this stuff in, it really allows you to be free to do work on your computer or to play on your computer rather than manage your computer. Hazel also has a lot of built in hooks for specifically for managing certain types of media. Um, if you want to send um, files to iTunes or photos or, or those specific apps, uh, it has hooks built in specifically for doing that. Yeah. And that stuff's really come a long way as well. Like they, you can put stuff into photos and choose a particular gallery. Now, you know, they, it used to be, you know, very supportive of, of iPhoto and Aperture. Now it supports the photos app. And um, that's something I hadn't used much until I started recording the screencast. That was one piece of Hazel I hadn't used. And now I'm starting to incorporate it because we do get photos all the time. Um, you know, like people text me or something and I want to save a photo or just, you know, I get emailed photos from people. I guess text isn't a bad, isn't a very good example because you can save it to photos from the text message. But the fact is I'm getting a, a photos in on my computer all the time of family members and things that come in in ways that are non-traditional. Well, and if you I have can, like a shared Dropbox with somebody or another shared cloud drive that is not directly tied to iPhoto, you can have Hazel yeah. watch that folder and import all those folders into iPhoto. You can also, one of the things that I've done is I've used Hazel in combination with If This Then That, because there are a number of If This Then That rules you can set up and tie in with social media. It says if I'm tagged in a photo or if I've uploaded yeah. a photo to Instagram or 
if I'm tagged in a photo, you know, any of these types of social media services, download that photo. And then you can have Hazel watch that specific folder. Um, and yank it into photos. Exactly. I did that for me on, on um, Instagram. And apparently there's a whole bunch of guys out there named David Sparks that Oops. are not me. And um, so then I found a bunch of pictures of other people. They were. Well, that could be interesting. They're all pretty handsome. I have to admit, maybe that just comes with the name. I don't know, but it works. The The other thing with photos is a lot of people don't want to use photos, the Apple photos app. And like, I know there's a whole, there's a whole like subculture of people out there that use Dropbox to manage their photo libraries where they just have a series of nested folders in Dropbox. And then they, they take a bunch of pictures and then they organize them into folders by year and month. And then they can get access to their photos and, you know, they feel like, Hey, I'm not tied to any system. I can do whatever I want with them. That's not me. I actually like photos, so it's it's well, okay with me. And is it, it Federico or Dr. Drang, or I think those two may be in concert with each other, wrote this amazing Hazel script for organizing photos in Dropbox. I'll have to see if I can find a link to that. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that. I don't think Federico's, I think photo, Federico's moved over to photos now. I'm not sure though. I have to check in with him to see what he's doing. I don't think he's doing the Dropbox thing anymore, but a lot of people are. But the, the point is... You can use Hazel to create rules to organize that folder for you. And it's a real simple rule because one of the actions you can do in Hazel is sort by subfolder or sort into subfolder. Uh, and for instance, if you've got a, a, a folder that's got 100 images in it, you can say, look at the date created and sort it into a folder organized by month. So then when after the rule runs the 100 images or the 1000 or the 10,000 images, it doesn't matter because it's a computer. Uh, will be sorted by the month, the year and the month. So there'll be, you know, a separate folder for each year and within that 12 folders for each month. And every photo will be nicely organized into those. And it's just running a little script in Hazel and saving yourself all that dragging and clicking. Um, and then what about um, sending documents? You know, you talked a little bit about taking things from iOS, saving them to to Dropbox and therefore getting them on your computer. Do you ever use the reverse way? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've got like my PDF app of choice pointed at folders and uh, I use a tag. I just have an iPad tag that I put on. See, I use tags, Katie. Hmm. Um, but if I put an iPad tag on a file uh, and it's in one of the monitored folders, uh, then um, Hazel can take a look at it and then say, okay, copy this to that to that PDF folder on the cloud storage that he accesses on his iPad. So the next time he opens his iPad, the file's waiting for him there. And you know, the reason I, I paused there is I just thought of a better way to do that rule. Um, one of the um, new features in, and this isn't in the screencast. So there you go. Um, Already new, preparing version 1.1. Yeah. Well, I do cover the fact that in version 4.0, it can look at smart folders, you know, so that's a really powerful new feature in Hazel. So Hazel's always been, you know, look at this folder and do these rules. Now Hazel can look at smart folders. So if you think about that, that really opens the field up because smart folders can be pulled from anywhere on your computer. So it allows Hazel to look at your entire computer uh, without being bogged down because it's just the limited data set that gets into the smart folder through Finder. So as soon as we finish the show, I'm going to revise that rule. I'm going to create a smart folder that just looks for that tag, the tag, the read on iPad tag. And then, then Hazel's going to see that smart folder and use that smart folder as the basis for copying the file over to my folder for review on iPad. And the, the advantage of that is now I can tag the file in any folder on the Mac and it'll still work. Make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. See, the smart folder thing learned, is a big you deal. You something talking through all this. Yeah. Well, Katie, Katie brings it out in me. She's a smart lady. 
The um, but yeah, the smart folder, the addition of smart folders in version 4.0 is something that a lot of people are just kind of like shrugging their shoulders about, but it actually widens the net for Hazel, you know, in a big way. So I, I think after we've had this new version for a few more months, there's going to be a bunch of new kind of rules out there that people have come up with taking advantage of the smart folder. And we should mention the other big feature, because we've talked about two of them, the ability to preview rules, the ability for smart folders now. The other big new feature in Hazel 4.0, which for me alone was enough to upgrade, and since we're kind of talking about cloud storage, is the ability now to sync your rules. So you Hallelujah. Can, you Hallelujah. Can, <laughs> you can sync specific rules folders. So, you know, David, I know you've got an action folder that you probably have a dozen or more rules set up in. Um, Definitely more. Yeah. (laughs) Or a downloads folder or, you know, once you have Hazel watch specific folders, you probably spend a lot of time creating a bunch of rules for these folders. And so once you've done that, uh, Hazel is one of those apps that it buried its settings, like in the user application, in the library folder, somewhere, 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 somewhere. And it was one of those that every time I restored my Mac, I forgot about. And I yeah. would always have to go back to my shelf backup and and re-restore the Hazel rules. And it was a little wonky to do that. In fact, I, I emailed Paul one day about it and um, and he sent me instructions for how to do it. And I saved those to Evernote because I was like, I'm going to have to reference these again. I'm, I'm going to have to do this. Yeah, it was the Gotcha app. Every time you set up a new Mac, it's it, someone that Gotcha every time. It was. So now what you can do is you can set those rules to sync to a folder, which is great because if you have multiple Macs, you know, folders that are in the cloud, you probably want those rules to be the same on every, well, I guess if they're in the cloud, you don't need to because Hazel's just going to do what you want. But you're going to want those rules to be the same across multiple Macs. You're going to want Hazel to act the same on your downloads folder. Or in my case, I have a scan documents folder. I'm going to want the Hazel to act the same on all of those folders. So I have set my sync folder to be a Dropbox folder. I have a Dropbox folder that I call sync, which is where I store all of these little application bits of information. And so Hazel saves its sync settings to that folder, which means I can access them from any computer that I'm on. Do you do something similar? Amen. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's great. Be- because you know, before, if let's say the iMac was shut down or for some reason not working, you'd be on your laptop. You'd want the rules to work. And you'd want, and you'd want them rules. to be the same rules. Because if you, yeah. made, if you made this brilliant tweak to make Hazel look at the smart folder as opposed to these other folders, you would want that tweak to show up across yeah. all your devices. Or even just like you're on the laptop and you're like, oh, here's a new invoice that I've never automated through Hazel, but I totally could. So I'll take a minute now to set that up. But then it's not on the in my in my house, the the iMac is kind of the the master device. You know, I want it in that rule set. And now, now I've got to export it. And it's just a, it's a bunch of monkeying around. Now you just do it and it syncs and it's just a, it's it's a good feature, even if you don't have two Macs. You turn this on because then it's still syncing the rule to this cloud storage location. And if you get a new Mac, you just attach it to those old rules and you don't have any problem with transitioning to the new, you know, to the new Hazel and the new installation. So there are a couple of other features. Um, speed increase is a big one. I've noticed that the new Hazel 4.0 is a lot faster in invoking rules than than the old one. Not that the old one was any slouch, but um, but really sync. The ability to preview rules and the ability to act on smart folders are, are probably the big landmark features of this new version of Hazel. Yeah, I had recorded a bunch of these segments for the um, for the screencast before I knew they were coming out 4.0. So then I had to go back to the drawing board. I, I didn't want to record anything with the old version. And um, and when I record the old version, I had like all these jokes I was telling. Like we would 
set the rule, then I I wanted the, the 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 viewer to see how long it takes for the rule to take effect. So I'd literally keep the camera rolling and explain. But with the new version, I didn't tell him my jokes because you literally you install the new rule, you click OK, and within a sentence or two of me talking, it's it's done. It's already done the job. <laughs> That's probably so I saved everybody a lot involved. of pain. I saved a lot of pain for people. Thank you, Hazel. <laughs> well, and you you and I were talking previously. You set up a lot of dummy rules for these screencasts that you do. I mean, you, you yeah. don't always use your own data set. And this makes it a lot easier for you personally to restore your own Hazel rules. Yeah, whenever nice. I do a screencast, I, I felt like my, my arms tied behind my back when I wasn't recording the screencast because a bunch of my rules weren't running, you know, because I was I disabled a bunch of them so I could show, you know, the viewer how it works. I'm, I'm glad to have the, everything turned back on and returned to normal now. All right, well, let's take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor. And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about other things that you can do with Hazel. So I want to take a brief moment to talk about our sponsor, Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. So with Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your desktop during a meeting. You can share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client site. You can access the latest version of a file from your home in your pajamas, if that's what you want, or the sleep night shirt that David's going to talk about. Uh, Nobody's going to know. And everything is mobile, so why shouldn't your work be too? If you've ever looked at your corporate intranet and thought, my goodness, whoever designed this must truly hate me, well, those days are over. Igloo allows you to make the intranet look and feel like a place you actually want to be. It's amazingly configurable, and you can completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your team. Thanks to things like group spaces, rolled-based access permissions, an easy drag-and-drop widget editor, you can reorganize the whole platform so it fits exactly how your teams work. With our mobile lives, people are increasingly bringing outside applications into the companies, and sensitive documents are getting scattered across multiple platforms. That can cause a lot of problems if you're not careful, but not if you use Igloo. Igloo allows you to integrate services like Box, Google Drive, Dropbox, into one big, easy-to-secure platform. So if you've heard the buzzwords like 256 encryption, single sign-on, active directory integrations, don't worry about that because Igloo just takes care of it and you'll know how safe and secure Igloo is. With Igloo, you can share files with your coworkers. You can all collaborate them on together. You can keep track of who has read what with read receipts. And this can be a super powerful tool for making sure that your critical information has been seen making sure is keeping everyone in the loop, and you know what is happening with your team. It's time to break away from the internet that you hate. So go ahead and sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. So if you've got a small group, you may never have to pay for Igloo. But we're hoping that you'll incorporate it with your bigger team and they can find the advantages too. So you can sign up over at igloosoftware.com slash macpowerusers. That's igloosoftware.com slash macpowerusers. So thanks so much to Igloo for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So, so after I got done explaining on the screencast how, you know, to do document and file-based automation and media management, I got, I had a bunch of like, just like interesting cases for Hazel and I built a bunch of little videos showing how to implement a bunch of these rules. And, um, and I want to hear some of yours too, because I know you've got some as well, like that one about business cards was a great one. Um, so some of the stuff you can do with Hazel outside of document and file automation, uh, one of mine is what I call the kill switch, the file kill switch. 
And this is a rule that looks at, I have a folder on Dropbox called share with fuse. I call it, you know, and the idea is you're light a fuse when you put a, full, a file in there. And whenever I share a file, uh, that fuse is lit. And then Hazel has a set amount of time and Hazel looks at that file. And the rule says, if the date added is not in the last seven days, then delete the file. So I only put stuff in there that can be deleted. And that way, when I send somebody a link on Dropbox, I know that after a few days, it's going to disappear. And that's that. I don't have to keep the file. They, they're not able to download it forever. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's a simple rule I explain in the screencast. Yeah, I do something very similar. In fact, you know, we all, if you have Dropbox, you have a public folder. And that's one of the things that I have Hazel watch is I have Hazel watch my public folder in Dropbox. And anything that's been in there for more than seven days, she deletes. And I even have a text expander snippet that when I send people something, and that's really what I use the public folder for in Dropbox is things that are going to self-destruct in seven days. And I even have a text expander snippet that says, you can go to my Dropbox. This is where you download it. Here's the linky thing. And I even tell them, go get it in five days or this file will self-destruct. So I give them a two-day grace period. You give them a little warning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, another one that um, another one I created, and this is a very kind of complicated one, but I, I walk through it in the screencast is auto creation of subfolders. I mean, there, there's a lot you can do with Hazel. People don't realize like, so when I create a new folder for like uh, on the legal side, there's a certain number of subfolders I make under it, you know, administration, correspondence, pleadings, discovery, you know, all the different things you do. I've created a rule that you, um, you uh, that looks at the new folder and then it says, Oh, Hey, this is a new folder that could, should have subfolders in it. And Hazel will automatically populate that with subfolders. Oh, that's a great trick because um, a, a lot of people who run their own businesses or do work on their Macs do, they always set up the same type of folder structure anytime they open a new client file. So yeah, how I do did you, it. what's the, what's the, how do you do that when you put the, a new folder in this, in this folder or. Well, I, I am um, the way I do it on my day to day stuff is with a tag. If I put a yellow tag on it, if it's tagged yellow in this folder, then create the subfolder list and it just pops them in and then it, then it removes the tag. All right. Um, so now I'm going to go watch the rest of your screencast. Yeah. The um, some of the secret sauce involved is automator. And, and in this screencast series, um, you're going to learn a little Apple script and automator stuff, but it's nothing that nobody. Oh, boy. How did I say that? This is nothing that is um, impossible too to learn. Complicated. Yeah, it's not too complicated. It, if you've never done Automator Apple Script, you're going to be fine. I walk you through it and I basically show you how to do each step. But there's some Automator stuff involved because one of the things you can do with an action in Hazel is trigger an Automator script. And that gives you all sorts of possibilities. Like another one that I did that um, uh, one of my beta testers said, I had no idea you could do this. Thank you so much. You just saved me a ton of time uh, was... I created a script that sends an email off. And, I and, do this every week at the end of the show. Yeah, so exactly. So you can use Automator to send an email and you can pre-populate the email with the recipient, the message and everything. And so when Hazel sees that a certain file exists, maybe maybe there's a bill that you want your, your accounting person to handle. Um, you can have Automator go through and... Um, and create an email to that person saying, Hey, he just updated a file on the Dropbox, you know, at this location, you should go check it out. You could have it do all that stuff for you. And, yeah. and that's something done out of Hazel, which most people don't realize. Cause if you look at the actions, there's no action that says create an email. But if you run an automator script that creates an email and you link it to the action, you're good. 
Yeah, I do this in two situations. One is every week when we record this podcast, I have Hazel look in the folder where I save these recordings for an MP3 that's named in a certain sequence. Um, and JT, hello, thank you, does our show notes. And uh, now he'll understand why he sometimes gets a Dropbox full of stuff. We we share a Dropbox together. And once that um, file has stopped being modified, i.e. once the, the file has stopped being written to, um, Hazel will automatically take that MP3, uh, run an automator action that attaches that to an email and pre-populates an email to him that says, hey, here's the file. Um, and then in the background, it, up, it does a two-part series. It creates that email and it uploads that file to our shared Dropbox file. Yeah. Um, so I get a pre-populated email to JT saying, hey, we just finished recording Mac Power users. The file is uploading now. Um, and I can add a little little something to the email. And so it it I never forget to send him the file because Hazel does it. And I send him a little note letting him know that it's there too. That's kind of the irony of this screencast. And when I think about it is I, I explained that I got into Hazel because I didn't want to spend all my time fiddling around with Apple Script and Automator, but I actually do use a, use pieces of both of those to make Hazel better. Yeah. The other thing that I do is when I get files from you, David, because at the end of this podcast, you will send me a file that you'll upload into a particular folder. And sometimes we record these shows a little later than we're supposed to. And I'm kind of a time crunch. So I need to make sure that we get these files off to our editor. So Hazel lets me know through a specific notification and uh, new Hazel can now talk to you. I believe that's a new feature of 4.0. Um, no, I'll, I'll explain. That's an no. Apple script. Oh, I'll teach you. is that I'll, Apple I'll explain a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I have Hazel give me a specific notification uh, when your file has been uploaded, so I don't miss it. And just to close the loop there, when we finish recording the show, Hazel is looking at a specific folder on my computer that saves calls and from Skype. And if there's a file, a Skype file that has Katie Floyd's name in it, then it knows that that's a Mac Power Users episode. And it automatically uploads it to the Dropbox or transport. I don't remember which one. We it do Dropbox to. for these, yeah. Yeah, and it just uploads it for you. So I don't have to think about it. And um, whenever um, I disable the rule because I'm making a screencast and the, and it doesn't go to you automatically, I hear about it very quickly from my partner. In fact, I need to create a rule that says if something <laughs> happens and I don't receive the file within three hours, send David a nasty email. I'm going to work on that one. Yeah, I think you should. Because right now that's all happening manually. <laughs> It doesn't, it, it, you, you know, you could do it now that I think about it. So I'd say um, if, I, I guess you'd have to set a trigger. That would be the only problem is the well, trigger. The, the, tr the trigger could be maybe when I send the file to JT, when I yeah. send the MP3 to JT. Yeah. If, if when, this happens, then if David hasn't sent me my file. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you could write the email. Yeah. Dear, the, dear podcast partner. Send me your lot, lot. file. The, so what we're getting around to is... I think we're is, falling into a hole here, Katie. Is, now, now, I could make a rule that if I got that email... <laughs> Hazel automates a lot of my um, interactions with people, which I'm thinking could be seen as rude or just forward thinking. I'm not sure. If it's the stuff that's not important, it's making time for the stuff that is. I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what this whole show is about. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, so Some, making sometimes making I get nasty emails from people saying you just text expanded me this, and I'm like, yeah, I did. You, you know what really hurts is when they accuse me of doing that, and I actually had written an email. I stopped and wrote two paragraphs because I thought it was important, and they're like, "That thanks for the reply. I, I know it's text expander, but I won't hold it against you." And it wasn't text expander. That always hurts. Yeah, it just cuts me. Um, the uh, we talked about making Hazel talk. One of the um, 
the, the little screencast segments I did, and this was one of the shorter ones, is you can make Hazel talk to you. People don't realize it because Hazel can run an Apple script and the Apple script syntax to make your computer talk is just say and then put the thing in quotes. That's all it is. S-A-Y space open quote, blah, blah, blah. I do it with my kids all the time when they're sitting in the room and they ask me questions. I'll, I just open up the text editor and I'll, I'll do an Apple script that has my computer say, your father cannot speak with you right now or something like that. And, and it makes them crazy mad, but the, um, but you can put it in Hazel. So like if you want to have an action when it files a certain bill or, or, um, or there's something going on and you want Hazel to talk to you, you can do it. It's a very simple Apple script. You can have never programmed Apple script, but once you watch this part, it'll teach you how to do it. And it's kind of fun to put, you know, a voice to Hazel. Although it's weird because in my mind, Hazel is female and my Mac talks as a male. Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, other, other Hazel rules that, that we use. Let's see. Let me see if I can pull some of mine out here. Some, some of mine get, get pretty, pretty detailed. I mean, I use a lot of, of matching with statements and all. Uh, one of the things that I talk about, I do is I use, um, Hazel for PDFing documents. You can, yeah. um, you can run, uh, speaking of Apple script, uh, I got Craig's account to write me an Apple script to, um, to automatically kick off uh, Hazel with PDF pen. And I believe I've posted that to my blog and I will I'll put a link in the show notes, but I've got Hazel to run an Apple script that if something is in my downloads folder um, to, and it's a PDF to automatically open up PDF pen, PDF it, and then quit PDF pen. O- OCR it, you mean? Yeah, OCR it. Yes, not PDF it. OCR it, I'm sorry. And um, that's a great script. And I've even set a, a, a condition to it that if the document creator was not scan snap, because I don't want it or, um, you know, automatic, you know, PDFing or excuse me, OCRing all of the things that I've already OCR through scan snap. So I've set a couple of conditions to it. Uh, and it's great because Hazel can't run other rules that I've set up if it can't see inside the document. So that's kind of the the first step to many of my other documents. Yeah. One, one of the ones I use, this is probably the most complicated Apple script in the whole video is, um, I have a fairly complicated Apple script. I do give you the text for it so you can just copy it and paste it, but the, um, uh, to create OmniFocus tasks. And I had this problem where my Hazel was so advanced that I missed a couple bills, you know, like I've got it where it files the life insurance policy, but I only get that bill like every three or four months. So it's not a regular monthly thing. And so the invoice comes in, Hazel scans it, as soon as I scan the thing, because this one, they won't give me a digital. I actually get a piece of paper in the mail. So as soon as I scan it, Hazel looks at the contents and names it, files it, puts it away. And then I forgot to pay it because uh. it, because it, it was out of my, you know I mean? It literally just didn't happen. So now I made a, a rule and it uses an Apple script to, to create a task in OmniFocus, you know, pay this bill. And I've attached that to several different bills that come in just so I don't do that again. And uh, it's a little OmniFocus, uh, uh, Apple script that you put in Hazel and it runs it for you. And that's a, that's kind of a fun one if you're using OmniFocus. Um, another one that I use that I, I like is, uh, you know, this goes back to me not paying the life insurance once I, I'm always now a little worried that I'll miss something. And I scan a lot of stuff as it comes in. I don't, I don't necessarily read every word or the things that come through as I scan them. I usually read them on the computer or the iPad. And so now Hazel scans everything that I scan in the computer. It looks for the word overdue or past due in the document. And if anything I scan has those words in it, then a bunch of red flags go off. It means that I've got something that I haven't paid or an overdue bill. 
And, um, and that's kind of a fun little rule. I mean, I guess you call it fun, but the, it looks, you know, it's, it's like looking over my shoulder for me in case I make a mistake. And that's kind of a neat rule, you know? Yeah. I've got another one that does, uh, uses Apple script and, uh, PDFs and PDF pen. And again, thank you, Greg, for writing this for me is it, you can uh, scan or search and redact text with PDF pen using Apple script. And so yeah. I've got an Apple script that if I save something to a specific folder, will look for certain key pieces of information, like the first couple of bits of my social security number or the first couple of bits of my credit card. And I'm looking for it to do an automatic redact. So it will scan and redact that bits of information. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And and all that stuff happens op- automatically, you know. Right. Um, I, I I also talk about, um, I want to talk about a couple other little kind of additional automation things. And then I want to get into the home automation stuff. Oh yeah. I've got a home automation ones that are fun. Yeah. The, um, uh, conditional rules are a thing Hazel can do now. And, um, that is something a lot of people don't, don't understand, but if you add conditional rules, um, you can say like, look for any, cause, cause everything is any or all or none in terms of rules. Like, like going back to the original example in the podcast where Katie was saying, a part of the account statement plus the name of the bank plus the word statement plus the fact that it's a PDF. Um, you could have Hazel trigger the rule if any one of those are matched, or you could have it only trigger the rule if all of them and the results will be quite different. <laughs> you know, you could end up doing something really wrong if you say any, and then it just files everything because everything in your folder has one of those four conditions matched. But um, that is the the basic structure of rules. But you can also add conditional, so you can say if this and if all of the above plus any of these, so you can actually get very detailed with conditional rule formatting. I talked about a little bit in the screencast, but uh, if you're hitting any kind of block with Hazel in terms of triggers, um, conditional rules will set you set you free. And then the other thing that Hazel has is we talked about triggers at the beginning of the show, but what I didn't say is Hazel can look at all of the metadata related that Spotlight can index, and it can use that as a basis for a rule. And like one of the examples I use is I wanted to sort out pictures that I'd taken with my DXO one versus pictures I'd taken with my iPhone. And it can, part of the metadata with every picture is what was this taken with or what was the F stop on the lens or, you know, there's tons of data on these photos. So you can very easily in Hazel say, okay, now I want you to use the F stop as the trigger. So if it has the F stop of 2.2, then it goes into one folder. And if it's 1.7, it goes into another folder. And suddenly uh, your photos are organized by f-stop. Um, so there's almost no limit to how you can condition the triggers. And, um, and, you know, and, and that's something, I guess, as we get more advanced into Hazel and you run in, if you run into any walls uh, between the spotlight integration, conditional rules, and the ability to add Apple scripts and automator scripts, there's almost nothing you can't do with this. And then what about smart folders? You talked about them a little bit, you know, as we kind of discovered some better uses for things through smart folders, but are you using any currently? Yeah, I'm, I'm using a few. The, um, like I said, the, especially if you're doing tagging based rule implementation that allows you to tag from anywhere, but you know, smart folders can look at anywhere on the computer. So they free you from that problem of, um, of having to create custom rules for a single folder. Um, instead you can make uh, custom rules for a folder that pulls from other folders and smart rules have their own conditions attached to them. So between the conditions Apple gives you to create a smart folder, plus the conditions you get in Hazel, you can go pretty far down that stack. 
And then we talked a little bit about your action folder, which I believe lives in your Dropbox still, correct? Yeah, I'm Katie, I'm doing a big test right now of iCloud for a future show. I haven't told you this, but I, I've moved a ton of data into iCloud, but I'm good luck I'm, with that. You know, so far it's actually been pretty good. I haven't had too many problems. There's a, a couple issues with searching files on iOS. Um there's some things that are better and some things that are worse. It's it's not an obvious choice either way, which is what makes for interesting podcasting, I think. But the um it's not terrible, that's for sure. Um, Teddy is the one who got me thinking about it when he was talking about how much he was doing in iCloud and that show a few weeks ago anyway. Uh, but my action folder for the time being is still in Dropbox. And this is just basically a folder where you've got a ton of Hazel rules in there looking at stuff. And this is kind of your, your catch all. This is where you store stuff temporarily. You let Hazel do its thing and then you process through what's left. Yeah, it's mainly important for document management. It's really where most of my document rules go. And it just gives me a place I can stick any document. And Hazel's got, there's probably 50 rules looking at that folder and all sorts of things. You know, it's going to find the life insurance statement and add the OmniFocus thing. Or it's going to find, you know, the bank statement and do something else with it. it it's going to find whatever is in there and take care of it. So it's, it's the big master list of uh, document management rules I have. And I think it's a good idea if you're getting started with Hazel to have one or two places where you keep most things and then you can go from there. But it's a good place to start uh, an action folder. Well, let's take our final sponsor break here. And then I want to talk a little bit about how we're using Hazel for some kind of home automation type things or or life hacking type things, really expanding Hazel out a little bit further. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus from the Omni Group. We've been talking about OmniFocus on the Mac Power Users since probably the first episode of the Mac Power Users. I am a big fan of this application. OmniFocus is the reason that I'm able to do things like publish field guides at the same time that I practice law and am a dad. It's a super powerful task management application, and it just continues to get better. Most recently, the Omni Group has announced that OmniFocus for iOS is fully automation ready, and boy, did they deliver. With the most recent version of OmniFocus for the iPad and iPhone, that's version 2.14, which is now available in the App Store, OmniFocus brings task paper, text support, and URL scheme actions to OmniFocus. This new feature is crazy. For instance, I have a list of about 15 things I do for every Mac Power Users episode. It's an OmniFocus project. Well, now I've created a template for that project in task paper that I can import into OmniFocus for each new episode. It fills everything in for me. When's the publish date? When's the deadline to do the show notes? When's the deadline to record the ads? All that stuff is just in it for me now. I don't have to spend time setting projects up anymore. OmniFocus does it for me automatically with these great new automation tools. Moreover, because this is all built on URL schemes, third-party applications are going to be jumping into this. You're going to be able to create OmniFocus tasks in the Drafts app or the Workflow app, or whatever other app of choice you have on your iPhone or iPad that supports URL schemes. As the iPhone and iPad are getting increasingly powerful, it's great to see these automation tools landing on the iPhone and iPad for OmniFocus. Since this new update came out, I've been spending lots of time building project templates, so in the future I can automatically generate projects when I need them. This is already paying dividends and saving me tons of time. We're going to address this more on the Mac Power Users going in the future as I can develop some resources to teach you how it all works. But for now, I just want to tell you that this stuff is awesome. 
This is the reason why we buy applications like OmniFocus from developers like the Omni Group. They really want to make it the best possible application, and they continue to deliver the goods. If you already own OmniFocus, go check this out. You are in for a treat. If you don't own OmniFocus, this is a great reason to download it and give it a shot. We're going to cover this more in the Mac Power Users Go in the future, but gang, we got some great news for the OmniFocus application. Thank you, Omni Group, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. So Hazel becomes a whole lot powerful when you start combining it with external things. And although Hazel seems to be very confined on your computer because it's a system preference pane, you know, it's it's not. Because as you talked about, you can integrate it with your Dropbox and you can integrate it with all these cloud services and, and do more. I mean, if Hazel can see a folder, it, it can start acting on things. Yeah. And when you combine that with Apple Script and Automator, it can start sending emails and do all sorts of things on top of that. Right. Um, one of the things I covered, I covered it into actually two different ways in the screencast is remotely locking your Mac. Yeah, I've been doing this and it's a it's a really fun thing. I, I don't know if you and I are doing it in the same way. Well, I'm doing it. There's there's two ways I showed in the um, screencast. The first way I did it was with a text file because I wanted people to kind of understand remotely making a text file from your iPhone can cause things to trigger off on your Mac. Well, why don't you talk about that? And then I'll talk about how I'm doing it with if this, then that. Well, that's the way I did the second time. So I suspect that way is the same. Yeah. But um, so let's just do the first. So the first way I explained is you can, because Hazel can look for files. So if I make a file in a certain folder in Dropbox called sleep, which I can do with the drafts app, that's the example I gave is in drafts. I just made a thing called sleep creates a text file. And then as soon as Hazel sees that text file, it uh, first deletes the file so it doesn't rerun the rule and then it puts itself to sleep using an Apple script. And it's a simple Apple script, not difficult. Anybody can do it. Uh, but so I, I can lock my computer anytime I want from anywhere in the world just by opening my phone and type sleep in a certain place. And, and to be clear, just to back up for someone who didn't understand quite what you're doing, the, the way that that's happening is you're using drafts on iOS to save that file to a specific folder in Dropbox that Hazel is watching. And yep. then when Hazel sees that file in Dropbox, Hazel is going to run an Apple script, which puts your Mac to sleep. And because you have certain security settings turned on your Mac, your Mac to wake up from sleep, you have to put a password in. Exactly. And uh, I could have done, made it even simpler. I was I could have taken that further a step and turn it into a Launch Center Pro button where I just push a button on my phone and that happens. Maybe I'll do that in the next version. But the um, I wanted just to kind of, you, you type in the word sleep and your Mac goes to sleep. No matter where you are, as long as you're connected to the internet and your Mac too, then you're going to be taken care of. Now, now there's another way you can do it and I'll let you go ahead and explain it. And uh, I suspect we did exactly the same. Yeah. I've, method. I've taken this a step further and automated this with, if this, then that. And now that I've heard about how you're doing it, I think I'm also going to set up a manual way to do it as well. Cause it would be very easy, but if this, then that gives you the ability uh, to create actions based on your location and so I've done the exact same thing that you've done, but instead of using drafts as the trigger to do this, I use if this, then that. And so you can create a location-based trigger with if this, then that using your iPhone because your iPhone knows what your location is. So I've set a location-based trigger that says, if I leave my home, and then I've set another one that says, if I leave my office, and if I get more than a certain distance away from my office create a text file in my Dropbox and mine's called lock. It's not called sleep. It's called lock. And so what if this, then that does is when it sends that I've moved outside of this radius from my home or my office, 
it creates a file in my Dropbox called lock. And then Hazel is watching that folder in the Dropbox. And when it say exact same process, when it sees the file titled lock in that Dropbox, it deletes the file. And then I've got mindset to start the screensaver um, because the screensaver will also trigger the lock. And then after a few minutes uh, of screensaver activity, my Mac is set to go to sleep. Yeah. I, so that's basically what I did is the second method. It's the same thing. It's a, so on the if app on your iPhone, it's called if it ties into if this, then that one of the things you can do is make it location aware. So if you leave a certain location or you return to a certain location, it can do something. And one of the things it can do is create a text file in Dropbox. So then you're off to the races. I mean, the moment you can trigger creation of a file on your Mac, then Hazel is open to you and everything that comes with it. So, um, and and the reason I did this is, you know, mine came about because, and and I think yours was a fairly similar story is, you know, I walked away from my computer at the office one day and we actually had people working in our office. I think we had painters or contractors or something like that. And I got in my car to drive away to go to a, a meeting and realized, gosh, I don't think I locked my computer I probably should have because there were strange people. I probably should have regardless, but I especially should have because there were strange people working in the office. And although my Mac would have auto-locked after, you know, five or 10 minutes anyway, I really wish there was a way I could have done it instantly or it would have automatically done it even if I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I did the inverse of that too. I did, I also in the video did one where I taught people how to make a rule that says, when you arrive home, play your favorite playlist in iTunes. You know, so as you get in, you got some cool tunes playing through the computer. Nothing wrong with that. Right? Probably works better if you live alone. Yeah, that my, my wife was asking why uh, there was so much Bud Shank playing every time I came home. I'm like, well, why not? You know, because I haven't turned the rule off yet. I kind of like it at this point, but it, it is tough. You know, all the automation stuff gets a little hard when you live with other people. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the, we just got an update to the Hue app and it's actually a lot better than the old version. I don't know if you've tried the new one. Yeah, yet, I like it a lot. And the, uh, and, you know, they, they have the automation thing where you can turn the lights off when you leave. But when you live with three other people, that might be a bad thing. You know, when you walk out the door and dad, we're suddenly, sitting here in the dark, <laughs> yeah, all the lights in the house just go off, you know, makes it a little harder. But, uh, anyway, uh, the, um, the automation stuff is totally possible it, with, if this, then that it's really the back end of it. And, and if this, then that is kind of like Hazel in the sense that once you have these things available, uh, these are simple examples I've given but you can take it and do way more with it if you want. I mean, anything that can be done with an Apple script or an automator script can happen on your computer based on your location when you have Hazel uh, as kind of the glue that pulls it all together. Um, and then Hazel can do it. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about Hazel's ability to to manage and manipulate files and folders. It does a couple of other things, too, as an app. It's not quite a one-trick pony. Not that that's really one trick pony. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's hard to use that phrase for it. But I mean, like I said at the beginning, ninety percent of what it does is the stuff we've been talking about. But there's two additional features in the app that are worth note. One is uh, trash management. Um, it's easy to let your trash can get full, especially. Like, I, I don't. don't keep... I'm obsessive compulsive about it. If I see anything in the trash, I'm immediately deleting it. I don't even keep my trash on my desktop. So I don't even look at it. I for, I forget it's there. And, Mine's um, in the dock that's hidden, but still, if I ever see it, it's no deleted. Um, so, so Katie doesn't need this part, but I do. <laughs> and so, so what it'll do, it'll look at your trash and say, if anything's been in there more than a week or you can set whatever time period you want, it can make it a year or two days or whatever. Three days is what mine's set up. And then it'll delete whatever's in there. 
and that just deletes it. Or you can say if it gets to a certain size, you know, if it gets above two gigabytes, then start deleting stuff, even if it has the time hasn't run yet. You can also Hazel has another feature and, and they call that app sweep. And one of the problems slash beauties of, of the Mac OS is there's no great um, file uninstaller unless a developer has specifically included an uninstall application with their uh, application, which is very, very rare. Um, absent using some kind of third-party utility like Clean My Mac, there's no way to completely uninstall an app. And so you can go get a third-party utility, but what Hazel does is it has an app, uh, an ability called App Sweep. So when you take an application and you throw it to the trash, Hazel goes through and offers to uninstall all the other little application support files and all the other little bits that are sprinkled around the operating system for you. Yeah, it's really nice. So you get rid of all the little support resource files. Yeah, that the, you w- the plist and the, the language files and all of those other little things that are lingering around. Yeah, and if you reinstall it, it will it will restore them, which is kind of cool too. Right, so. like if maybe maybe you're just deleting the file because you're immediately reinstalling another version. Uh, you can either tell Hazel no, don't delete it, or Hazel will see that and, and put them back. Yeah, those are nice features too. But the, really, the the big deal for Hazel is. You know, taking a normal person that doesn't know programming and suddenly make them this super powerful automation, you know, master of their computer. And it totally can do it. You just got to spend a little bit of time learning how it all works. And we and, hear it. And there's a field guide for that that I hear, yeah. David, that people yeah, there can is. use. There is. I'd appreciate it. If, you, if you're interested, please go check out the field guide. I w- there's a 30 and, minute, um, it's two and a half hours. So I, I put a 30 minute um, sample up. So if you want to watch a little bit just to get a feel for it or, and listen to my, my badass bagpipes, you know, there you go. But the, the, the um, only person I like bagpipes from is Montgomery Scott. Sorry. Well, what about um, Austin Powers? Didn't he do some no, bagpipes? No, I don't on? like Austin Powers at all. Okay. Well, that's um, the only two, that's my only two reference points for bagpipes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, did, did Montgomery Scott play the bagpipes? Yes, when Spock died. It was the saddest thing in the world when he played the bagpipes at his funeral. That. I totally forgot about that. Yes. Okay. In the real well, movies, anyway. not the not the fake remakes. The re- <laughs> I think, I'm not sure. I think we should do a um, show at some point. And, I'm just and saying, I want bagpipes at my funeral. If anybody out there happens to come to my funeral, I want, I want Scotty to play bagpipes at my I, funeral. I will play them for you, Katie. I'm not sure they'll be I don't, very I good. don't plan on letting you die before me, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I think we should do a show at some point where I have to defend the new Star Trek movies and you have to defend the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> oh, it's going to be hard to do. I, the, I think yeah. the new Star Wars Trek movies are easier to defend the, the Star Trek prequel. The Star, yeah, I think uh, that is a pretty difficult job. The, the, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, so so Hazel 4.0 is out. Go get it. If, you, if you've got the prior version, it's a no-brainer for the upgrade. If not, you really should check it out. If you do want to get my field guide, I would very much appreciate it. helps me pay for my shoes, and, and I definitely want to be making more of these books and videos. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to do more of that. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, if you have other Hazel tips, you know, we do have that feedback show that's coming up. And um, that show is now going to be on the first Monday of the month. We're going to be recording that at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. GMT. So send us your feedback, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also share your favorite Hazel rules in our Google Plus group. There's a link um, on our website to that Google Plus group. It's a really long URL, so I won't bore you with reading it. Uh, but we'd love to share some of your your favorite Hazel rules on that feedback show. Uh, you can also get in touch with us via Twitter. 
Yeah, we are at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Barkey. Great. Um, all right, folks. Well, I think that's going to about do it to us. Thank you to our sponsors this week. That would be Fracture, FreshBooks, Igloo, and Omni. And thanks to all of you who've become members over at Relay FM. And we will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>